The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Our reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. But the Pharisees and scribes began to complain, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So to them he addressed this parable. What man among you having a hundred sheep and losing one of them would not leave the ninety-nine in the desert and go after the lost one until he finds it? And when he does find it, he sets it on his shoulders with great joy. And upon his arrival home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in just the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous people who have no need of repentance. Or what woman, having ten coins and losing one, would not light a lamp and, and sweep the house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she does find it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found the, the coin that I lost. In just the same way, I tell you, there will be rejoicing among the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And then he said, A man has two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country, where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dispiation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out to one of the local citizens, who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed, but no one gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more enough than enough to eat? But here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly, bring the finest robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because, because the son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called, the serv called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf, because he, is, because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, 
All these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. That you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughtered the fattened calf. He said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Before I reflect on the scriptures today, I just wanted to give a brief introduction. I know this has only been my first week and a half in this parish, so I haven't been to all of, of the Masses yet. My name is Father Randy Huang. Uh, I was born and raised on the east side of Portland. I was ordained a priest on June 26 of 2021, so this just this past year. Um, I attended David Douglas High School and graduated uh, class of 2012. And so I'll let you do the math there, see how old I am. That's kind of the big question. Um, uh, after high school, I, was, uh, I entered the seminary and studied for four years at Mount Angel, studying philosophy, and was soon after was sent to Rome to finish my graduate studies where I spent five years. Um, so some have asked, well, where have you been? Well, I've been in Rome these past five years, and before uh, officially starting here at this parish, I was in Mexico learning Spanish, because obviously we know that there's a large Hispanic community within not simply this parish, but also in, in this area. Um, and so it's finally, I'm finally here. I know you've even asking kind of when I'm coming. Well, I'm finally here. I'm finally settled. Um, so it's good to be with all of you, and I look forward to working with Father Mike and with all of you in these, these coming years. I, I hope, I think the, the term is around two to three years. So I hope to be here the entire time. For the past four weeks, we've been hearing about what it means to be a disciple, really the, the conditions in what it means to be a Christian. But today we are faced with this understanding of who God is. Because it's so important for us to conceptualize that what we do is not simply a set of rules to do because we have to do it, but it's because of, of who we are and who we are in relationship with, and that is with God the Father. We hear in this first parable, the parable of the lost sheep. Now some may say, well, why would the shepherd forget the 99 and go out and search for the one? Well, that kind of seems unreasonable if you're thinking about it in this business sense, in this investment sense, right? Well, why would, the, why would he do that? I, I ask you that you put yourselves in the position of whether this is, whether you have 10 children and the one leaves, right? What would you do? You would chase after that one. Maybe not physically, but you would, be, you would be in search of that one child. Or in another sense, for a friend, right? If a friend was lost or a friend was, was going down the wrong path or was struggling, you would go out of your way to assist that friend, to help that friend, to look for that friend, and to bring him back and rejoice. Our Lord here is even greater than that, because so often in our limitations as humans, we stop searching, we stop helping. It becomes a burden for us, and we say, well, I guess that's enough. That's all I can put in. But God here is searching 
as he is in the image of the shepherd, constantly for the one lost sheep. The second parable, the parable of the lost coin. Made me wonder, well, I lose coins all the time. I'm not earnestly looking for that coin. So why is this woman in this, in this gospel looking for a coin? Well, I think we have, to, we have to understand that when we're reading the scriptures, we are, we are also reading in a very specific context in time, in a very specific place. This, this, is, this, is, this, is, this, this parable is Jesus speaking to an audience of, of the Jews in the first century. And so this conception of, of coin is linked to marriage. Now, in the Jewish culture, what happens when a woman is betrothed or when she's engaged to, to another man, a dowry must be given. And that, that, and that dowry, in one form, is in the form of a ring. And on that ring would be five coins, representing the fullness of that marriage. And so, if she were to lose this one coin, or lose any coin on that ring, that would signify to those who are Jewish that something is wrong in the marriage, that something has happened. And so, yes, she is earnestly looking for that coin to restore herself, to restore her image, to restore her marriage. And so to kind of, kind of, now to conceptualize that in our modern time, whether that's a wedding ring or for some, I, I know this is oftentimes happens to me too, but a phone, right? When we lose a phone or we lose a wedding ring, what are we doing? We're searching everywhere. Right? We're lifting up couches. We're going under cars. We're doing some desperate measures to look for that one thing, that engagement ring, that wedding ring, that phone, or whatever it is. Right? We look to the point where it consumes our day. But when we find it, we rejoice. But so, so, much, so much more, our God and the angels in heaven rejoice so much greater when a sinner returns, when a sinner comes to confession. This all climaxes with our third parable, a parable that we are all so too familiar with, right? the, the parable of what is commonly known as the parable of the prodigal son, right? which refers to the first son, the son that returns. Right? But I want to propose today that this is the parable of the two lost sons. The two lost sons. Because in all of us, we find ourselves exemplified in these two sons. And this first son, this first son who receives the inheritance of the father, right? And that inheritance for us is the gift of baptism, the gift of salvation. But how often is it that we take it for granted? We take it for granted that we're Catholics, that we were baptized, that we've been given the opportunity for salvation. So often I hear, well, Father, you know, I can just wait to the very end of my life and repent and God will still forgive me. And yes, he does. If you do wait to the very end of your life, God will forgive you if you truly repent in your heart. But as we all know, we don't know the time and the place in which we will die. 
Today we celebrate the anniversary of 9-11. We pray for the souls who have been lost and those, those whose souls have been lost not simply in the tragedy of 9-11 but also through the war. But it is a reminder for us that we do not know the time and the place that we will die. So is it really worth it to say, well, I'm just going to wait till, I'm just going to enjoy myself and wait till the very end and then at that point, God will still forgive me. It's actually interesting because this was actually the practice for many centuries. It's not just us, right? But do we take it for granted? Second, the second son. The son who is faithful, the dutiful son who is always there, who is present. Those of us who come to Mass weekly, those who come to Mass daily, those who are in groups, in prayer groups, and whatever else, who fast and do almsgiving and do good works. Do we find ourselves to be in the position of the second son? The second son obviously does not recognize God's love in its fullness. God responds to us, all that I have is yours. All that I have in the form of the Eucharist, the sacrament, it is yours. I have given you the inheritance. I have given you the gifts. But here we are. We have to rejoice for the one who returns because they too are our brothers and sisters. Right? In the rite of baptism, we say this, that they are now incorporated into the body of Christ. That is us. Join with the saints in heaven. This is our family. And out of those two, we come to two consequences. All right? The first consequence is recognizing the, of God's mercy and his love for each and every one of us. It is an encouragement for all of us here who maybe you haven't been to confession in a very long time. Maybe it's been months, years, however, however many years it's been or months it's been. God is waiting for you in the confessional. And I promise you the Father Mike and I are very merciful. But God the Father, just like we see him in this parable, is wanting to see you, to run towards you, to absolve you of your sins, because at the words of absolution, everything is cleared. Everything goes away. Because in the eyes of God, all that matters is you. Not your sins, not what you've done, as horrible as it may be in your eyes. He wants to embrace you with his entirety, with his love and his compassion. Second consequence, the recognition that as Christians, as followers of Christ, as a disciple, we are challenged to, even with people that are most difficult for us, those who, who have has done whatever it is they've done to us, that when they do come back, then when they do come to an understanding of who, of who God is and return to the practice of the faith, that we welcome them with open arms, whatever they have done, personally to us or to anybody else. That they are welcomed back with great joy, 
that our judgment is not on their sin. Right? Because we are not the sum of the sins that we do. We are understood and we are valued because we are created in the image and likeness of God, our Father. That's it. How often do we invite those who are falling away to confession? Do we challenge those around us who are obviously in sin to return? I know that's a big order. Right, and I know how difficult it is, especially with amongst our family members, right? I mean, this is, I have personal experience, how hard it is. But when we live by example, when we live by not simply lip service to what church teaches or what the Bible says, but when we truly live it out, when that joy is permeated through us and shows, people will return. People will be attracted. My dear brothers and sisters, God the Father does not want to give us today a fattened calf. He gives us the unblemished lamb that is his son, Jesus Christ, in the Eucharist. Our Lord does not give us magical and beautiful robes, but through the confession, he restores the glory of the white garment in which we've been given, the garment that we receive at baptism, the same garment that is placed over our caskets. That is the robe that he wants for us because that robe is the signification of who we are. And through all of that, he gives and nourishes us in the Eucharist, which is his body and his blood. Not a symbol, but truly his body and his blood, his soul and divinity to strengthen us in our lives, to strengthen us through the temptations of the devil so that we are able to put on his eyes, his lips, his ears, to go out and welcome those with great, with a great joy, just as, as he does for each and every one of us, to those who have fallen from the church. This is a challenge for each and every one of us to identify who we are in this parable. Whether we're the first son or the second son.